The Columbia Phonograph Company presents sample excerpts from four new ready-made radio programs suitable for commercial or sustaining features. Listen to the dramatic lines, the gorgeous music, and sprightly comedy of which these programs are comprised. Read carefully the brochure accompanying this record, which describes in full the character and merits of each of the programs. Then, in deciding for yourself the merits of these exceptional productions, we are certain that your appreciation of them will rise to match the enthusiasm which originally prompted us to produce this thrilling entertainment. All of these productions are, of course, recorded on the famous Columbia Royal Blue Material, which stands alone for its perfection in clearness, freedom from surface noises, rasping scratches, and above all, longer life. If you want to set your station up with entertainment of such high caliber that it can compete with anything else on the air, our proposition makes it possible because our costs are low. And now, our first program. Ladies and gentlemen, presenting Pick and Pat and their minstrels. Say, Pat, I understand you just came back from your vacation. Yes, sir. I was on my vaccination. I, I was up in the mountains up there where they kill cats. Where is that? Up in the Catskill. Oh, have a good time? Yes, sir. I had a good time. I, I went out hunting while I was up there. What did you hunt for? Well, I went out hunting for bear. Get any? Well, yes, sir. I jumped one out in the middle of the woods. Oh, you did? Yes, sir. And you know, there he was sitting right in the middle of the bushes, and I, and I raised up my rusty shotgun. I put my finger right on the commencer and I aimed. What happened? I missed. Oh, that was bad. Yes, sir, you telling me. What did you do? What did I do? You know what I'd done, and I'd done plenty of it. You didn't run, did you? I wasn't exactly running, but I was passing a few things what was running, that's all. I was on my way. You know, I went down the road there a little piece, Mr. Staff, and there was a great big old hole. I jumped in this hole. The bear, he was going so doggone fast, he jumped clean over the hole. Yes. Yes, sir, I raised my head up, look at him, he turned around and seen me and come back and he jumped clean over the hole again. I went down in the hole, the bear jumped just over the hole. Minute, I come minute, up Pat. over the hole. Pat, just sir? a minute. Uh, do you mean to tell me that the bear couldn't get you while you were down in that hole? Yes, sir, that's right. Well, why didn't you stay down in the hole? I couldn't do that. Why couldn't you do it? Twas a lion down there. <laughs> <laughs> the grenadier sings the little red drum. Come into that battle scat. 
Special arrangement with famous artists of the air. The sponsor of this program presents Mr. Eddie Dowling in another episode of his reminiscences of Victor Herbert. Mr. Eddie Dowling. The late Andrew Carnegie once was credited with saying that his idea of heaven was to be able to listen to all the music by Victor Herbert that he wanted to. What a wonderful tribute. 
The remarkable thing about Victor Herbert was that he only began to write at the time that most men begin to think of retiring. Just imagine, he was 35 years of age when he wrote his first operetta, which was called Prince Ananias. When he died in 1924, he had written upwards of 50 operettas, two grand operas, a great many instrumental pieces, and had been called in on numerous occasions by producers to bolster up the musical score of other composers. He was a tireless worker, a human dynamo, impulsive, romantic, and sympathetic. His gift for making friends was as great as his talent for writing music. The fact of his Irish birth and German education accounted for his peculiar accent, which was a mixture of German and Irish with the Irish, of course, getting the upper hand. He always returned a deep affection for Ireland and especially old Irish music. We had become such close friends that scarcely a day passed that I didn't see him, except perhaps when he was writing or rehearsing a new play, in which case I would tactfully stay away until he sent for me. During the season of 1916, I hadn't seen him for some time. He was in the final rehearsals of Princess Pat. One afternoon on returning to my hotel, I found a message from Victor asking me to drop in at his theater. I lost no time getting there, and as I entered the theater, the tenor and the prima donna were preparing to sing their big number. So I sat down in the last row to listen. The cost of these programs when you study the price schedule will strike you as being ridiculously low, and it is simply because we are figuring ourselves in the picture for only a fair profit and not for what we think we can get. This, of course, is in line with the policy on which we are now building a continuous and expanding service on ready-made radio programs at prices that even the smallest stations can afford to pay. Gentlemen, the third program. A romance in music, mellowed with the atmosphere of midnight gold on a Viennese canal. Hugo Riesenfeld's 24-piece orchestra, a double quartet of mixed voices, celebrated soloists, and clever dialogue. Viennese Nights. Good evening, Franz. Guten Abend, Herr Baron. Welcome, Fräulein. Tonight, would you like to sit near the orchestra? There is a nice table. Oh, that would be lovely. Otto, Tisch Nummer 4. And now famous artists of the air bring you once again to this charming old restaurant in Vienna to enjoy the music of Hugo Riesenfeld and his famous orchestra in another concert in this series of Viennese Nights. Inside the walls of this old garden, in the friendly coolness of its sheltered bowers, you will hear not even an echo of anything but peace and happiness and music. Sit here at this table beneath this old tree and join the notable gathering of men and women who have come from all parts of the world. If you are alone, Franz, the major domo of the garden, will make you welcome just as he has done all his guests for the past 40 years. This is a favorite meeting place for the students of the university. There are girl students also tonight wearing their class ribboned caps the same as the boys. They will sing for you after a while. Hugo Riesenfeld is about to play now Schubert's famous March Militaire. Poor Schubert. So poor indeed that many of his immortal melodies were written on the marble tops of these very tables in this garden. He did not have money enough to buy even music paper. <laughs> ¶¶ 
Entertainment of outstanding merit, such as you have just heard, has been asked for time and again by stations who can consider buying only if the price is right. Where superb showmanship is called for, and the ability of being able to produce entertainment that will be as good tomorrow as it is today, or was yesterday, Columbia calls upon its 46 years' experience as a peak factor in this business. Gentlemen, the fourth program for your consideration. A fantasy of the Far East, packed with mystery, intrigue, and thrilling escapades. Omar, the Wizard of Persia. East, out of the desert's burning sands, the voice of ancient Persia speaks to the heart of him who understands. To the crunch of the camel's padded feet, neat the purple glow of starlit skies, four travelers in life's caravan meet in their quest for earthly paradise. A sign on the mystic scroll of fate, the moving finger writes in gold. Do you hear the call of Omar? Wait, Kismet is written, let the tale be told. Omar, the wizard of Persia. Tonight we take you with us to the heart of the mystic East, age-old Persia with its tradition, its glamour, its romance. Mysterious things are happening. A sinister plot is being hatched. Its victim is an American, Henry Mason, an importer of jewels who is traveling in the Orient on business. Our story opens on the caravan route leading to Shiraz, a colorful town in Persia. Mason and his companion, Miss Elliot, an American missionary, are in conversation. Well, Miss Elliot, I'm, I'm afraid the caravan will be a little late arriving in Shiraz. Oh, dear. And I was due at the missionary post there day before yesterday. Don't you think we'll arrive before nightfall, Mr. Mason? Well, I'm afraid they're taking a longer route than usual, you see. A longer route? But why? It seems to me we've been delayed enough already. Yes, well, there have been a number of raids on caravans lately, and they're playing safe. You don't think there's really any danger, Mr. Mason? They told me. Well, no, no. Had we gone the usual way, there might have been. But as it is, I think we're perfectly safe. I'm afraid, though, it's mostly my fault that we're taking the wrong way. After you have read the brochure, after you have discussed our proposition, its terms and conditions, after you have considered the possibility of selling new accounts in your territory with entertainment of this high type at low cost or for your own sustaining purposes, it's your turn to move. Gentlemen, what do you think? May we hear from you at your earliest convenience. 